Welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only. I'm Jay Simmons, and I'm here with my co-host Matt Winnetoy, and we are looking forward to bringing you another great episode. Uh, Matt, how's everything going today? It's going great. Can't believe it's episode five already. I know. It's uh, pretty crazy to, to think back to, to all the great guests we've had so far, and, and kind of looking forward to all the great ones we're going to bring on in the future. Um, I think we should just get started and bring on this week's guest. Uh, really looking forward to it, uh, if that's cool with you. Absolutely. Let's get right into it. All right. So uh, with us here today is a Kitchener-Waterloo native uh, who was a first-round draft pick into the OHL back in 2014 uh, with the Windsor Spitfire. Uh, he won a Memorial Cup with the Spitfire and was drafted 18th overall uh, in 2016 to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he recently played in his NHL debut, and uh, he's with us today on Standing Room Only. Please welcome Logan Stanley. Welcome to Standing Room Only. Uh, you're our fourth guest, and uh, we're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so usually we just start with a couple light questions. Um, let let the listeners get to know you a little bit, um, and then we'll we'll dive into kind of the different stages of your career uh, and get your take on it. Super casual, um, and, and we know you're a busy guy, so we won't keep you too long. Uh, but let's just start it off real simple. Uh, what's your favorite genre of music? Uh, country, probably, yeah. Big country guy. Who's your who's your kind of go-to artist in in country? Uh, I like Dirk Bentley a lot. Um, him, but kind of just whatever's you know new and fresh. Uh, I'm easy going. You ever uh, attend Boots and Hearts? I have been once. Yeah, haven't been back since. <laughs> I know. It takes about three years it's, off your life expectancy. Yeah, and it's so close to the season. It's kind of hard to justify uh, putting that or putting your body through that right before training camp. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show? Are you a big Netflix guy? Yeah, I love Netflix. Um, I love Friends. I've watched that a few times. The Office. Um, I actually just finished Yellowstone. I think that That's might awesome. be uh, yeah. the new number one show. Yeah, I've heard it's good. I was I actually haven't watched it yet, but I'm thinking about it. So you'd recommend yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Recommend it for sure, yeah. Um. Yeah, how about video games? Are you a big video game guy or not really? I used to not be, but I've started playing more just because it's such an easy way to talk to my buddies at home and, and talk to my brother and stuff. So um, I'm not very good, but uh, I'll hop on the mic and, and uh, start chirping, chirping my buddies for sure. Yeah, what's the kind of go-to games right now? I just follow the leader. I just play Call of Duty with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any cool places you've traveled, whether it's for hockey or just um, on your own time? Um. I think oh, I love California. That's awesome. Um, San Diego is really nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Austin, Texas. We go there with the moose. That's a fun place. Sixth yeah. uh, Street, it's called, is uh, pretty fun. And uh, other than that, like I want to go to Europe. I haven't been to Europe yet. Um, but uh, actually, we we're just in Vancouver and, and uh, for being in Canada and, and uh, it being relatively close, like that's another place that I want to go because it's so nice out there. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. Uh, how about any instruments? Have you Do you play any instruments at all? Nothing, no. My mom tried to put me in piano lessons when I was a kid, but that wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't for me. But now, looking back on it now, like I wish I could play the piano or play guitar or something, so I wish I would have stuck with it, but can't do anything. 
Well, I wouldn't say you can't do anything. Uh, one thing you can do is play hockey. So let's dive into your career uh, a little bit just so far. Um, you're from the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Talk a little bit about growing up there and playing minor hockey there. Yeah, it was great. I played uh, all my minor hockey in Waterloo. Um, we had a pretty good team, actually. Uh, we had 11, maybe, guys drafted to the OHL, 10 guys drafted to the OHL, and, and then uh, a couple guys playing Division One uh in school right now and then uh uh another guy playing in syracuse in the nhl so we had a pretty good team and and uh yeah, i love playing in waterloo yeah um you were obviously a high draft pick in the ohl were you always one of the better players growing up did you play triple a throughout your minor hockey or or when did you know that maybe hockey was a, a potential future career route for you yeah i think you know like you're when you're young you always you know, dream of having that, um, be your profession, you know, when you're a kid and stuff. But I think probably when I, uh, you know, my agent started telling me I could be a high pick in the OHL that, you know, something might come of it. So, um, but even then you, you never know. Right. So I was just excited to be playing and, and, uh, that was all a bonus. kind of. Yeah. So I, I, one thing we should just talk about off the start here, uh, is your height. So you're six, six, we believe, is that right? Or, or are you taller than yeah, that? Yes. Six, six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> at what age did you kind of reach that height? Oh, can I swear on this? You can say whatever yeah, you absolutely. want. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe like my first year going into Windsor, so I would have been like six, 16, I think. I was probably 6'6", six, six, and I was just like such a tall, lanky kid. Like, I... You know, like probably should have played junior B my first year, but I was a high pick, so they kind of and our team was not very good my first year in Windsor. I think like I think we finished second last in the league, so that that year was like I don't know. We were just like we had so many young guys. We were just like having so much fun, like going to high school, <laughs> messing around all the time. But I was probably like that's probably when I yeah there my next year I was like six 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 seven. And were you always so, the tallest guy growing up, like when you were younger, or did you kind of grow later? I was, yeah, I was like big, but I don't know if I was the tallest, but always one of them, yeah. And then I think like towards minor midget age, kind of, I, I uh, grew a little taller than some of the other kids, I guess. Yeah, for sure. You're obviously a really physical player when you play. Did that come natural, or was that something like just being the biggest kid growing up, your coaches kind of were always forcing you to kind of do? Yeah, I think it came natural. I I like to dish it out rather than take it, I guess. So, um, you know, it was it was kind of, you know, I think it's fun. And, and I think when I'm playing my best hockey is when I'm physical. So, um, you know, it's easy for me to do that. And, and uh, you know, that's part of my game. That's, that's uh, you know, why I'm where I am. So, you know, I have to do that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously getting drafted to Windsor uh, 16 and having to move away from home. So was that tough on you to, you know, be so young and, and move away from home and, and start kind of a new life in a new city? Yeah, I think looking back at it, it was, I was so pumped to, to leave and, and go play junior. And, you know, I thought it was going to be awesome. And then I think like halfway through my first year, you're like, oh, I kind of miss my mom and my dad and my brother and stuff. But because um, you are young and, and you're moved in with a new family you've never met before. so. Uh, it's kind of weird, but there's so many guys in the same position as you, especially my first year when we were so young that, 
we had such a great group. Like we had a blast going to high school parties and, and just hanging out all the time. Like we all lived pretty close in Windsor too. So um, for the most part, it was awesome. Did you have a billet family uh, for all three years at Windsor and was it the same family the whole time? Uh, I lived with one family, uh, Wayne and Helen Dupuy, my first year. And then uh, it was their first time billeting and it just like didn't, I don't know if they really enjoyed it that much. So I went uh, uh, with another family, my second and third year, who were awesome. They had two younger kids. So um, it was like a nice family atmosphere. And and you know, I was playing like so much mini sticks with the kids. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you spent three years in Windsor. Um, and in your last year, actually, you guys uh, won the Memorial Cup. So uh, it was a little interesting because you actually lost that year in the first round of playoffs, but because you guys yeah. were the host team, um, you got to go. Uh, how was that experience to win a Mem Cup, and and what was it like, you know, losing that first round and and trying to kind of stay together as a team? Yeah, so I had uh, knee surgery at Christmas time that year, so I missed the whole second half and playoffs. So I hadn't played any games, and it obviously sucked losing. But for me. Personally, it worked out good because I was able to skate with the team while I was rehabbing my knee. And then those first game games of the Memorial Cup were my first games since Christmas. So I kind of came back, played four games, and then that was the end of the season. And, and we happened to win, which was awesome. Um, you know, people say, like, we had an advantage or whatever, but at the end of the day, we won. So, Yeah, and, you know, when you're the host team, you know this year's in advance. A lot of times management will be trying to bring in a lot of players. Uh, who was brought in, you know, kind of to build your team up for that run? Was there any names in particular or maybe guys that are in the NHL now? Um, well, the year before we had traded for Sergachev, who's in Tampa, obviously, an amazing yeah. player. Um, so that was that was already in the works for, for when we were hosting because we were going to try to host. And then uh, um, we brought in... Jeremy Brocco, Graham Knott, who both played in the AHL. Um, yeah, we had such a young team my first two years that when our, the third year came around, we were all kind of hitting our stride and, and kind of becoming, you know, pretty good players in the league and stuff. So um, our team was was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I was looking at that roster uh, last night, actually, and it, you, know, you had guys like Sergachev, like you mentioned, and Brocco, Velarde, who's in LA, uh, Logan Brown, yeah. who's in Ottawa. Michael DiPietro, yeah. Vancouver, uh, and then Sean Day, who was a first overall, right? Or fourth overall. Yeah, OHL, we had right? so, Hatfield. He's yeah. in Vancouver now. Uh, Graham Knott played. He was a second-round pick to Chicago. Jeremiah Addison signed with Montreal, played with them in the in the minors. Um, Aaron Luchuk signed an entry-level contract. We had, I think we had like 10 guys sign entry-level deals off that team. Yeah, which is a lot from an OHL team to... Yeah, it was a lot. We definitely had fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's wild. Were there any players that stuck out from your OHL career that were just really tough to play against? Uh, that, London always had a good team. Uh, my first year, I want to say uh, Josh Anderson was still on the team. And then they had, their their one year, their first line was Marner, Dvorak, and Kachuk. Oh, not bad. And like, that was, that was a sick line. That'd be an unreal line in the NHL now, so... Yeah. Um, in junior, that that was fun. I got to play against them a lot, so um, that was probably 
you know, the best line in the CHL that year. Yeah, is there anyone that you had uh, any beef with kind of coming up through the OHL that might keep carrying on to the NHL? Or I think, like, just those, although we played London so much, so we, we uh, um, like, played against that Kachuk, who obviously plays hard all the time. And so we had some good battles, but um, it'll be interesting to see when, when I get playing against him more, if, if that kind of sparks up again or what, but... Um, just three really good hockey players and, and it was a lot of fun going in, into London to play them and definitely fun when they came to Windsor that the buildings were always packed and, and uh, London's got unreal fans so that was fun. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the year after winning the Mem Cup, you got traded to Kitchener, you know, going back, playing for your hometown team. What was that like for your last year in the O? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Actually, uh, their GM, Murray Hubert, when I was getting drafted, called me in for a meeting and they picked second that year. And he was like, Hey, we're not going to pick you with our second overall pick, but like down the road, I think you're going to be a ranger. And I'm like thinking at the time, like, Oh, why don't you just pick me now? <laughs> right? like, and uh, so then I got traded there and he's like, I told you you'd be a ranger or whatever. So it was pretty cool to live at home. And, and uh, yeah, definitely. I grew up watching the Rangers, so to be able to play there was pretty cool. And, and again, we had a pretty good team. So, do you remember who that second overall was? Is it someone that turned out well? Or? Yeah, yeah, Adam Asher. And so I oh. played with him in Kitchener, and then he's uh, in Texas right now in the right. AHL. I think he's uh, like top ten in scoring right now in the AHL. Yeah. He's doing good. Um, yeah, what's it like playing in the Odd, which is the arena in Kitchener, which is a pretty historic OHL arena? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, pretty cool like we my dad had season tickets since we were little so you know kind of looking across from the bench and knowing him and my mom or him and my brother sitting right there watching so that was pretty cool and then I think just the fans are awesome it sells out every night and, um they treat you like like professionals there so it was uh I definitely enjoyed my time there awesome and then going to the NHL draft, you're taking 16th overall. Winnipeg traded up to get you. Did you kind of know going into that day that you're going to go to Winnipeg? And and what were those conversations like? I had no idea actually. I uh, had a meeting with Steve Eiserman that morning, and he was like saying that they were going to trade up to get me maybe. And I was so I thought maybe I was going to go to Tampa Bay, and then Winnipeg picked me in. You know, I was thrilled and and uh, pretty cool experience to be able to to have your family there and and you know give them a hug and and walk up on stage. It's a good night. Um, what was your first kind of training camp like when you showed up with Winnipeg? Um, what year was it, and, and who were some of the big guys kind of still around there? Yeah, it was 2016. So, um, obviously you're like such a young kid. Like there's guys 35 years old and you're you're 18 and. You go into camp pretty intimidating. Um, you know, I was sitting beside Dustin Bufflin in the in the dressing room, and he was a great guy. He's so nice to me, and and uh, a guy I'll never forget. But um, I think your first one, guys are are awesome. They kind of know that you're young and nervous, and, and they try and take you under your wing. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and and you kind of see too how hard guys in NHL work every day, and. Uh, shows you like how hard it is to get there yeah many guys that buff would be standing beside that would probably be taller than him right you guys <laughs> yeah. a couple inches on him yeah you definitely knew uh when he was in the room pretty uh big presence yeah 
what was uh what was Lana like looking back you know especially to like your first years in training camp there I think he's your age um was he always just a superstar you knew like the first time you skated with him yeah I think as soon as you see him on the ice and how he handles the puck and and can shoot it you know he's going to be a a superstar and score a lot of goals and you know you can see now what he's turned into he's just you know got that rocket of a shot and um I think yeah from the the first day camp you kind of knew that he was uh the real deal so for the last two years, you've played uh, in the AHL with Winnipeg's affiliate team, the Manitoba Moose. Uh, what was that experience like, and what did you learn from those two years? Yeah, I think those were two good years for me. Uh, my first year was great, kind of learning what it's like to be a pro and, and how to live and and uh, take care of yourself away from the rink. Is you know you're on your own and, and you got to cook for yourself and kind of fend for yourself. You don't got to build a family anymore and cook meals. So. Um, you know, that was fun to learn that way. And, and, uh, I just being a pro and and knowing that that was your job, uh, and you have to, you know, work at your, your craft every day. So that was good. Um, and then my second year was tough. I started off with, I got surgery on my wrist the second week of the season and missed six weeks. So that, that was shitty, but, um, overall, I, I love my time there. Great coaches and, and, uh, some really good teammates. Yeah. Was there a lot of communication in your second year with the Jets, you know, about potentially getting called up or, or did you kind of have the mindset that you might be there for the year? Yeah, I think there's definitely conversation and, and it, it didn't help that I had surgery two weeks into yeah. the season and, and missed that time. So, um, but I think when you're in the American league, you always want to get called up and you want to, you know, get that chance to play. But, um, you know, you kind of got to wait your turn, and and uh, there's a lot of good hockey players out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so now moving forward to this year, um, you actually got the chance to make your NHL debut, and you've actually played 13 games with the Jets. So talk a little bit about, you know, how did you find out you're going to be in the lineup, uh, and who was the first person you told after? Yeah, I was actually just stretching in the gym, and the D coach walked through and kind of just looked at me and said, like, you might be in tomorrow. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Because we didn't have any injuries. And then, uh, you know, one of the guy's wife had just had a baby, so he wasn't going to come on the road trip. And uh, so I called my dad, and I'm like, hey, I think I might play tomorrow. And I think they were they were obviously excited, but it was in Toronto, so they were hoping that they could see my first game, you know, like just drive the hour down or whatever. But, um, yeah, I called my parents and, and let them know. And then... Uh, the next day at morning skate, they kind of said you're in and didn't really get a nap that day. I was too excited, but <laughs> it was a fun day. Yeah. And uh, who was your D partner for that stretch of games? Uh, I played with uh, Nathan Beaulieu for most of them. And then I played with DeMello for a few too. So two older guys, both good players and, and uh, helped me out a lot. Earlier this season, um, there was a controversy in Winnipeg uh, with Patrick Laine. Um how did that affect the team? Uh, did it affect the team at all in, in the locker room, or did guys go about business as usual? Uh, yeah, no, it didn't really bother anyone, I don't think, because every day Patty came to the rink, he worked hard, and uh, you know it wasn't like he was being lazy and, and waiting for his trade or whatever. He was working hard every day. And, and then when the trade did happen, uh, you know we got a really good player in return with uh, Dubois, and 
you know, he's been great for us this year. So it's worked out well. For sure. I have to ask, uh, in one of your first games against Ottawa, you got in a little scrum against the other Kachuk, Brady. Um, you know, how did that form and, uh, you know, what, what kind of words were said there? Uh, I won't repeat the words. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, I think I just dumped the puck and it ended up being offside and he tried to finish his check on me and I just like reverse hit him a little bit and he fell. It was, it was kind of funny. And then someone else said something to me, but I don't know. It was just a good way to get in the game and, and uh, part, of, part of how I have to play. So it was good. Yeah, you definitely don't shy away from any of the, the physicality. Of things uh is there anyone that you know you might be a little scared to go uh toe-to-toe against in the league that you can think of well i don't know about scared but you gotta like look at char and just <laughs> like a freak like he's so strong and um he's and, definitely and he's taller than you up. so that's yeah that's... taller and, and he's uh he's a machine so that's one guy maybe you don't want to mess with but um no, I think if you just play hard every day and, and if stuff happens, you got to deal with that. So. Yeah. What's it been like overall this year just with no fans in the stands? Is it a weird adjustment for you? Yeah, it's definitely different. But I think when the play is going on, even if there is fans, you don't notice it because you're just focused on what you're doing. I think it's more like during warm-up or the TV timeouts where you're kind of looking around and there's nobody there. So that's kind of weird. But I think during the game the outside noise kind of goes away even when there is fans in the building. So um, it hasn't been too bad, but definitely weird uh, having it so quiet. Yeah, and you play with some pretty big uh, some pretty big names, you know, Wheeler, uh, Shifley, Hellebuck, the list goes on, you know, Ehlers, Connor. Um, is there anyone that stands out, you know, and you're just kind of in awe of every day of, you know, how hard they work and kind of what they, they bring to the rink every day? Yeah, I think probably our captain, Wheels, is awesome. He's the hardest working guy every day. Um, and, you know, he expects you to, to try and match his work ethic. And um, he's just a great captain. But at the end of the day, like, they're all just really good guys. Like, you know, they want to hang out and joke around and, and have fun, too, even though they're superstars in the NHL. They're, they're uh, you know, just normal guys, too, off the ice. So, um all really good guys and, and have been really good to me. Sure. Who do you spend a lot of time with off the ice on the team? Uh, probably the most, I'd say, with uh, Nelson Noje. He's on the taxi squad, too. Um, we lived together the last two seasons, so we have a pretty good friendship and, and you know, kind of on the same schedule all the time. So we spend a lot of time together, but uh, it's kind of hard now with COVID. They don't want people hanging out in each other's rooms and and that kind of thing so um once you get back to the hotel you're kind of on your own but um at the ring probably him and, and some of the other younger guys yeah obviously being six seven were there any other sports that you were really good at growing up or that you played a lot besides hockey uh, i played well lacrosse when i was young um for the first yeah i love lacrosse it's so it's like no rules so you can just <laughs> whack whoever you want and, and do whatever so that was fun and then uh um my teammate on the wolves boris kachuk um was on the team too so we had a blast that's did awesome you, did you play box lacrosse or field lacrosse yeah yeah, box yeah. Lacrosse. nice um 
Are you a fan of roller coasters at all, or are you a little scared that you're too tall for them and hit, might hit your head? No, no, I love roller coasters <laughs> for sure. Big go-to guy. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's it from us. Matt, you got anything else you want to ask Logan before we go? Uh, no, that's awesome. Um, thanks for thanks for your time, man. It's uh, yeah, no It was awesome talking with you. Yeah, we really yeah, cool. appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your schedule to meet with us. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on down the road. Who knows? And uh, good sure. luck kind of this season and, and going on the rest of your career. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, thanks, thanks again, so much, man. man. All right. Bye. Awesome. That was a great interview. Um, speaking with Logan, he provided a lot of insight, you know, on his career progression and and uh, his experience in his, his first few games in the NHL. So it'll be awesome to watch him grow and hopefully he can really make an impact on that Jets team. What did you think of that interview, Jay? Yeah, it's really cool to hear his uh, story. Um, you know, he's been through quite a bit in his young career, uh, getting traded in the OHL, playing for two big teams in the OHL, you know, Memorial Cup. Um, really exciting stuff and then obviously getting drafted first round to Winnipeg and playing this year but a really good guy really enjoyed talking with him and uh, hopefully we'll have him back on down the road absolutely yeah he's a guy who will definitely want to talk to again and you know hearing him and it just makes me wish you know what could have been if I was also six foot seven and 230 pound defenseman but uh, hey I guess uh, always be dreaming of that right (laughs) yeah I think I was what did he say? He was six six when he was sixteen. Yeah, I think I was. I I might have been five six. Maybe. Yeah, and you had a good three inches on me, so I don't even want to get into yeah. that. So, uh, needless yeah. to say, our draft years were not too successful to the OHL or NHL. But uh, here we are. Yeah. So uh, why don't we just get into some current talking points in the NHL? Um, I think a big thing that happened this week that everyone probably you know felt a little bit and to some degree uh, is the passing of Walter Gretzky. So uh, Wayne Gretzky's dad, obviously. Um, pretty big figure in the hockey community, especially here in Canada. Um, people always have stories of, you know, him showing up at events that they're at or coming out to tournaments that they're in. Uh, how about you? Did you ever, ever have a run in with Walter? I never met him personally, but, um, you know, I've heard so many stories of just a lot of kids running into him at the local rink. I know he was born and raised in Brantford, Ontario, and he, he lived there till the day he died and, um, kind of what a lot of people would say about him is that, you know, he was so approachable and, and uh, was always willing to either, you know, tell a story about his son or, you know, kind of ask about your hockey career. And it's really a shame to see him go, you know, he was such a a huge figure in the game and uh, it sucks. I I watched uh, Wayne did a little eulogy at his funeral and, and broke into tears. So it's obviously, you know, really tough for him and you wish, Wayne and the rest of his family the best going through these times yeah uh, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Walter a couple times um, just at different wow. events here and there and stuff and yeah he was you know he always he just loved the game of hockey and he always you know wanted to be around it as much as he could um, and I think that's something he probably distilled into Wayne at a young age and that's probably why Wayne was so successful but yeah pretty sad this week to see him go um, I'm sure a lot of people will remember him for a long time but uh, in other news this week, um, another suspension for when or Washington Capitals, Tom Wilson. Uh, did you get to see the hit and what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I watched it last night, actually, and it, I think it's his fifth suspension in the NHL now. They really came down hard on him for seven games this time. And I don't know, it just it, it looked like to me, in my opinion, it was one of those that was avoidable. Like he seemed to target the guy's head and, you know, Brandon Carwell, he's a young defenseman up and coming and. 
just to see a player fall to the ice like he did, and I think he's out week to week now. He's obviously severely concussed. It's, in my opinion, it was the right call, giving him that length of suspension. Um, and I, I thought it was a dirty hit. So, you know, he, he is an agitator. He's a tough guy. That's, you know, a big part of his game. We all know that about Tom Wilson. And uh, what were your thoughts overall? Do you agree that maybe he deserved the seven games, or do you think that was a bit much? No, I think he deserves the seven games, especially uh, when you take into account, you know, his history with suspensions. Um, like you said, I don't know, what is this his fifth or sixth or who knows what suspension he's on now? And, and it seems like he's not really learning. Um, he's still making, you know, these plays where I don't know if he just like blacks out and just doesn't think before hitting a guy. Like, does he does he not think that, you know, this probably isn't a good idea. I don't know, but no, uh, it doesn't no. seem like he does. I think he just sees red and he goes right through the guy. But um, I mean, he's a fun player to watch, you know, because he's he's got some skill, but he's also a tough guy. But there's not really a, uh, any place or any space in the game for that today. So, um, you know, you don't really like to see a guy to go down like that. Yeah, I will give him some credit, though. There's actually no penalty on that hit. And uh, he actually answered the belt twice that game later on and fought. You know, I think it was first Jared Tenorti, and then I forget the other guy in Boston, but uh, he, he he did have to stand up for himself, and, you know, he didn't shy away from either fight, so... Um, yeah, I wouldn't be fighting know. Tom Wilson, I don't think. No, well, I wouldn't fight either Tenorti or Wilson, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a heavyweight bout, to say the least. Yeah. Moving on, um, a couple, you know, younger players, or one younger player and one star made their debut... Last week, uh, Kirby Doc and Vladimir Tarasenko. We'll start with Doc. What do you think about him coming back? Do you think he'll be a good, um, you know, piece for the Blackhawks? It was obviously tough seeing him, you know, go down in that World Junior Prelim game. Do you think he'll be a key addition to them, maybe making a playoff run? Yeah. Um, like I think I said last week or the week before, I've, I've been watching Chicago a lot this year, and they're actually really fun to watch. Um, they have a lot of young guys, and they're, they're working pretty hard, and Kane kind of looks like he's actually – had a little bit of a revival, not that he wasn't good the last few years, but just like he's at another level this year and he's bringing kind of that team with him, uh, which is fun to watch. So adding a guy like Doc, you know, he's a special player, um, really helps in, down the middle of the ice. And um, he looked really good with World Juniors and, and before that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously he had that injury and we didn't get to see him, but uh, really excited to see him kind of come back with the Chicago team. Um, and again, it just adds another good young forward to that kind of group of group of guys so uh, i'm excited to see chicago and, and kind of how they trend hopefully up uh, as the season continues but um yeah i think doc it might be a little while for him to kind of get back into the swing of things obviously he's been hurt for a while but uh he'll he'll get his legs under him soon yeah totally it's wild to think he's only 20 years old too yeah um how about tarasenko did you get to see him come back i think he played on uh we're filming this on monday night i think he played saturday so um did you get a chance to see him I didn't watch the game, but it was nice to see him, you know, return. St. Louis is obviously a contender this year, as they have been in the past, and Tarasenko's a key piece of that. So good to see him back. I think that's just another piece. You know, St. Louis was looking great without him in the lineup, and it's just having him back as just another goal scorer. Um, you know, it's the same thing with Doc. You hope that he gets his legs under him in the next coming weeks, especially with, you know, kind of the shortened season. Uh, every game really matters, so it's not – um, you know, usual in past years where he has some time to get his legs back under him, but he's going to be thrown in the fire quick and, you know, hopefully he can contribute and, and really help St. Louis make another run. What did you get to watch him play or no, Jay? 
Yeah, I was kind of flipping back and forth uh, with that game, but um, I was reading a lot about it after the game, and the coach was saying some pretty strong stuff about Tarasenko and how he was surprised and pleasantly surprised by how he played. So uh, that's exciting. I do have him in my fantasy league, so it was a big one uh, having him come back this week. So wow! Um, and I, I think last week I put him as my you know my stud guy to buy. So hopefully someone listened to me and went out and got him as he returned this weekend. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's move on to Calgary Flames. So they fired their head coach, Jeff Ward. Um, they've actually hired Daryl Sutter uh, as the head coach in Calgary. Pretty exciting for him. Uh, what are your thoughts on the news, Matt? Well, I love it. I think uh, it was time to shake things up in Calgary. Um, you know, there's been a couple stories about Ward in the past, and I don't know how well liked he was by the team. So, you know, bringing in someone like Daryl Sutter, I think we all know his coaching history. You know, the guy's not afraid to speak his mind and and the players really seem to respect him as a coach. So there's a lot of talent in Calgary. It's It'll be interesting to see if they have enough time to really turn this around and you know potentially make the playoffs. And, and Sutter would be obviously a, a huge piece if that happens. But uh, what are your thoughts on the hire, Jay? Do you think, uh, do you think Sutter will, will you know kind of demand the most of his players there? Yeah, well, I think they needed a big change in Calgary, like you said. Um they have a good they have a good roster, they have good players. They just haven't been able to find it the last few years and they've kind of been slowly declining, right? And and having older guys like Giordano, you know, you know I think he's 37, he's their captain. So their windows maybe not closing, but uh they're going to, you know, lose some guys here in the coming years. So they really got to step it up and uh become a better team. But you know, they're not as bad as the Buffalo Sabres and let's move on to that topic because that's a big one right now in uh the hockey community. Um kind of everybody's just up in array about Buffalo um, maybe talks of Eichel being traded and, and, you know, Hall maybe might resign, but they don't know. And no one wants to play there. And I don't really know, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Sabres? Um, and, and maybe how do you think they can turn this around? Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to turn it around this year. Something's going on there, whether it's, you know, management or, or within the locker room, you know, they've lost their last seven and, uh, it's really tough. It's tough if you're the GM of that team to figure out what to do because, you know, you've spent the last, you know, five to seven years really rebuilding and you've got a good core. You know, you got, you'd mentioned Jay, you know, Taylor Hall brought in, obviously building around Eichel. Reinhardt was a high pick in the first round for them. Um, Dahlin as well. And they just never really panned out. I don't know if it's, you know, a testament to, as I mentioned before, is it the management? Is it the players? Is it a mix of both? And and what do you think the next steps are for them to kind of get out of this rut and eventually turn this rebuild around? Yeah, I mean, it's big for them to kind of decide or figure out the Hall extension. I mean, if you can keep a guy like Hall around, that's big. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him around with everything that's going on. Like, they're sitting last in the East Division by, uh, you know, three points below the Devils. They've lost seven in a row, like you said. Like, I think it might be time to maybe abandon ship. Um, I don't know if that means trade a guy like Eichel, but I know there has been talks of that. Um, you would demand a huge package for that. I, I think there's been talks maybe with the Rangers, and I don't know if that includes Lafreniere or Kako or one of those young guys, but um, it'd be interesting to see. Do you think there would be anything there with, with Buffalo and the Rangers? That would be interesting. I think the Rangers are trending up, though. If I was them, I don't know if I'd make that move, depending on what you're giving. Um, but if it involves Kako or Lafreniere, I think it's way too early to give up on them, but I'll throw another one your way. I saw an article today that said Chicago 
could be a really interesting trade spot for Eichel. You know, they'd obviously have to maybe give up Doc, which we just mentioned, and probably a lot of draft capital. But how do you think he'd fit in there, you know, playing alongside Kane and, and maybe the return of Taze? Yeah, well, that would be interesting to see uh, Kane, Dabrinkit, and Eichel as a first line there. Maybe that would be pretty uh, stacked line. Um, it'd be interesting to see, too, if Chicago could make that work with salary-wise. Because I know, like, Kane and Taves are both big contracts, right? And then Eichel's a big contract. So, um, yeah, I wonder if they would have the room to do it. It'd be something we've got to crunch the numbers on. But definitely, like, the potential. Like, Doc's a piece that... You know, would probably get Buffalo's interest, probably Doc plus quite a bit, but it would at least spark their interest probably for a guy like Eichel. Yeah, that's funny thinking about Eichel. He's only 24, maybe 25 years old, and they're already thinking of trading him for a younger piece. It's crazy yeah. how he's already viewed as like kind of a veteran in the league and he still has so many years ahead of him. But um, yeah, let's move forward here. You know, it's crazy. We're about, you know, 23, 24 games into the season for most teams here, you know, barring uh, a couple teams missing games for COVID, but um, usually that's the quarter way of the season, but this year it's about halfway. So we're going to do a little who's hot, who's not uh, team edition. Jay, do you want to kick it off with a team that's, you know, that's really catching your eye that's hot? Yeah, for sure. Um, this was an easy one for me. Um, just every time I flip on the TV or look at the scores after, I feel like this team's been winning a ton lately. And then I looked today and saw they were on a five game winning streak. So I was like, oh, they are, they are hot right now. And that's the New York Islanders. Um, you know, they're, they kind of have a defensive team, um, but guys like Barzell this year, man, he is looking good. I don't know if you've had a chance to really watch him, but he's a great skater, uh, bit on the smaller side, but a bit McDavid like with his skating. Right. And I think, uh, it was a few years ago where they were in the skating competition at the all-star game against each other. And Barzell actually beat McDavid one year, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not saying he's as good as McDavid, but, um, he's really having quite the breakout year for him. Uh, I think he has, you know, 18 points so far or something like that. So uh, exciting to watch, um, but not a huge fan of how the Islanders play because it is very defensive. So uh, I don't love watching them, but they are, you know, they're hot right now and, and they're leading the East division, which I don't think anyone really thought they would be the leader of. So, yeah, well, Barzell's goal, um, you know, through the legs, that's got to be a candidate for goalie goal of the year for sure. That was absolutely filthy. I'll go yeah. um, with Carolina as my hot team. They've won five in a row. And of those five games, three have been against the Panthers. So, you know, the Panthers look legit this year. They got a great team, but Carolina is really coming on. Um, you know, they've been good in the past couple of years, but who knows? Maybe this could be be the year that they break through. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned the Panthers. Let's just give a little shout out um, to our guest of episode three, uh, Mason Marchman. He scored his first uh, NHL goal. Uh, not long after the the episode released, and uh, and then he scored his second one, I think, last night as well. So he's doing really well there, and it seems like he's found a, a good starting spot with Florida. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see him score, and, you know, especially as a hometown guy. Um, not going to pump the pod too much, but um, that's now 50% of our guests that scored, you know, in in the coming games after after coming on the podcast. So we may be starting a trend here. Yeah, so just to clarify that, yeah, Delandria after the first episode, uh, he scored the the day after, you know, recording with us. So, um, not to put any pressure on Logan at all, but you know, the clock's ticking for for once this episode gets released. So, hundred percent. But uh, Matt, how about your uh, uh, who's not hot right now? So who's hot and then who's not? 
Yeah, no, well, we touched on Buffalo, so I won't bring them up again. Um, I'm going to go to the West Division and talk about the Sharks. You know, they haven't looked great, and it, it is a tough division. Uh, I understand that, you know, Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, they all look great, but Sharks just look like a team that doesn't really have the right pieces to make a run. They have a lot of good players. You know, you think about Carlson, Burns, Couture, they're all great players. I don't know, they could all be a little past their prime now, but it looks like a team that's that's probably going to end up sliding further down the standings. They're already last in the West. They've lost their last three, and, um, you know, play, playing against the, the caliber of teams they are, it's going to be tough sledding for them. Who do you got as kind of this team, you know, that's maybe not looking too great right now? Yeah, well, sadly, I got to go with uh, the Dallas Stars. They had a, a really hot start. Their power play was almost untouchable off the start. Um, but then I think they're like two and eight in their last 10 games or something like that. And they've, they've had a tough season with, you know, they had COVID and then, uh, you know, they had a, they had snow in Texas, which apparently can shut down a whole civilization down there. I don't know, oh, yeah. but, uh, it's just been a weird year for the stars. I think they'll bounce out of it. Um, they had a point last night, I think in overtime or in a shootout, but, um, yeah, I just, they, they've been struggling lately to, to score goals and, and having some trouble keeping the puck out of their own net. So they've, they've had a tough uh, couple weeks here but hopefully they can bounce back up and uh you know we can start seeing delandria score a few more goals oh yeah absolutely yeah so moving on to we'll do our our fantasy segment this week to wrap it up um so why don't we just go through uh, if people have been listening or if they're new to the show um we usually just give kind of our fantasy stud and dud of the week um this is you know obviously in our opinions and from our experience with fantasy but uh matt who do you got this week uh, as your stud I'm going to go with Philip Forsberg this week. He's at a point per game pace right now, which is, you know, a career year for him. It's really interesting because the Preds haven't looked great as a team offensively, but, you know, Forsberg is obviously their main guy in the power play. He's scoring a ton, you know, um, and he's a really solid contributor. I still think he's undervalued in the fantasy community, so he's someone worth, you know, maybe putting an offer in because I think he'll be able to sustain this pace that he's on right now. Who do you have as your stud, Jay? Um, well, just to go off Forsberg, I, I had him last year maybe in fantasy. And I think if your league does shots, I think if I remember right, he had a ton for me when he did that. I don't know if he still shoots the puck a lot. But oh, yeah. That's one thing to, to consider too. Um, yeah, my stud of the week uh, is from Tampa Bay, uh, and that's Andre Palat. Uh, this guy, you know, he's one of those guys you can probably go get him in free agency or on your waiver wire. Um, you know, he, he kind of jumps on and off teams as teams need extra guys. Um, but this year he's really found a, a presence. And I think in the last month, you know, he's one of the top five or, or 10 all around uh, fantasy players uh, because, you know, he hits a ton and, and he's getting points and scoring and power play and stuff like that. And, and Tampa's obviously a, a wagon this year. So um, he's going to continue to do well there. Oh, absolutely. And he's a sneaky guy too. You know, he gets that first line minutes, you know, he plays a ton with point, uh, plays both Stamkos and is obviously on the power play as well. So He's uh he's a guy who always you know can chip in a couple assists per night and um and it's kind of one of those sneaky fantasy players you don't think about right yeah for sure um yeah so then I'll I'll do my dud as well and then I'll flip it back to you before we end but uh I went to who you were just talking about the San Jose Sharks um and that's to Brem Burns um I think it was maybe three or four years ago this guy was you know I think he was a Norris Trophy candidate or he won it I think one year and and now he's very irrelevant that might be a tough word for him not he's not irrelevant but i think last night they lost four nothing and he was minus four so that just kind of goes to show what kind of season he's having 
Um, how about you? Who's your doubt of the week? Yeah, I'll go with someone from the Philadelphia Flyers, Carter Hart, the goalie there. He's been really rough in the last little while for fantasy. It seems to be like when he loses or when the Flyers lose, it's bad. He, he I think his goals against average over the last five games is around um, 880. You know, he's letting in, you know, five, six goals on multiple occasions. I know Boston has lit him up. That's kind of been like his, uh, um, you know, team that that's really figured out his number and uh you know having a backup like Brian Elliott is really interesting with the Flyers because he's been playing great um Carter Hart is obviously someone they're going to build around he's one of the best young goalies in the league but maybe this is just something you know they can start to transition Hart more into a you know a platoon system with Elliott it'll be interesting but for fantasy purposes that obviously hurts you because for goalies you know what you really value there is the amount of starts they get and the amount of wins they can get in those starts. So if Hart's starting to lose a bit of his, you know, starting starting gig there to Elliott, that's going to really hurt him in the long run. Yeah, um, I, I do have him in one of my fantasy leagues. And he was drafted so high, right? Like, there was so much hype around oh, yeah. him coming into the season. So it's it's been tough as an owner of him in one of my leagues to, to have it. But hoping he has a bounce back in the second half. Um, I'm hoping he can seal back that crease from Elliott. Um, but yeah, it's probably a good kind of place to wrap the episode, but, uh, quickly before we go, Matt, um, why don't you just give a shout out to the fans who are supporting us and just any thoughts around them? Yeah, well, thank you guys, um, for supporting us and listening. It's been awesome to kind of build out an audience here. You know, I know anyone who maybe didn't listen to episode one, you know, Jay and myself had been talking about doing this for a while and, uh. It's just something of, you know, kind of a passion project for both of us. We love to do it. It doesn't seem like work for us. And so the fact that you guys are, you know, listening and following along and engaging with us, uh, we really thank you for that. And uh, we hope to continue to bring you some some awesome content and some awesome guests in the future. But uh, anything else, Jay? Yeah, no, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, again, we just really appreciate it. Feel free to reach out. I think we still don't have a review on... Uh apple podcast so we're still waiting for the first review uh if you're listening to this go down scroll down and type a review and give us five star likes uh and we'll maybe give you a shout out shout out or something on our next episode but we're just waiting for someone to do that review eh, Matt? absolutely that'll be guaranteed you'll be getting a shout out on on episode six so uh you know to all our fans out there go race and get that first review in yeah uh everyone have a great week uh stay safe and that we will talk next week absolutely see you Jack.